and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, we take a look at the familiar story of David and Goliath, but maybe with something new to learn. Let's listen. Well, we are in week two of the new series where we're studying the story of David. And we are turning to perhaps the most famous story of David that we find in the Bible. It's the story of David and Goliath. I mean, this story is so well-known both in and outside of the church that our culture commonly refers to David and Goliath moments, don't they? When an opponent at overwhelming odds defeats the other. Uh, think of, it's a bit like the undefeated Patriots, when they were beat in the Super Bowl by the upstart Giants, or, or the miracle on ice, when the American hockey team which was the youngest in the Olympics, defeated the Soviet team that had won six out of the past seven gold medals. Because our culture loves David and Goliath stories. We love an underdog, don't we? Well, the original story, the story that we're going to study today, is just as good. But it's also different from the other ones I mentioned. Because the story we're studying today has to do primarily with faith. Yes, this is a story about God's power to give victory against dramatically overwhelming odds in response to faith and to courage. Now, if we're going to get the most from this story today, we need to begin by realizing that we're in a different place than David was. We are not facing an actual giant, are we? And yet, I think we can still relate to the major themes of this story. And here's how I want you to do that. Right from the beginning, I want you to think of a giant in your life. Now, here's what I mean by that. Here's my definition for giant. A giant is an obstacle to you growing in your faith. So start thinking, okay, what would that be? In your life right now, what is an obstacle that's standing in your path of really growing in your faith the way you want to be growing? To, to, to help you think of this, let me give you the DNA of a giant. So giants appear too big to overcome. These are obstacles in your life that maybe you've been trying to figure out a way around it, and yet it just seems like because of your own strength and your own abilities, you can't find a way to get around this obstacle. You're not confident that you can do this. A, a giant actively stunts growth in your faith. Uh, it makes it harder to trust in God and, and to grow in your love and understanding of God. And, and finally, a giant shrinks your view of God. So as the giant gets bigger, your view of God gets smaller. Are you having any ideas that come to your mind of what your giant is? Well, there's an outline in your bulletin, and on that outline, there's a spot that says, my giant is. You might want to just sketch an obstacle or two, or at least have one in your mind as we go into the story today. Or if you're watching online, I think this is a great opportunity to type that giant in the chat box. It'd be really interesting to learn from one another and the giants that they are dealing with in life. Perhaps you're dealing 
with doubts that just make it hard to trust in God. Or perhaps you're stuck in a cycle of sin that has you dwelling on the negative in life rather than the glory of God. Perhaps you're just facing a challenging situation, whether that's at work or at home, that has you having little room for a hopeful resolution. Whatever it is, know that today, the story that we are going to study together is a story about facing our giants. We're told that Goliath was six cubits and a span tall. So who can tell me how tall six cubits and a span is? Probably nobody in this room, because that's not how we measure, is it? But other people have done the math for us, and they have said that that would equate to about nine feet tall. Goliath was nine feet tall. Now, that could be kind of hard to imagine, can't it? Like, how big would that actually be? So our facilities manager, Tim, and I put up some blue tape to help you. <laughs> this is nine feet tall. I'm just under six feet tall. And so can you imagine the giant, Goliath, being that much taller than I am? And David, in this story, was only a teenager. He was somewhere between 12 and 15 years old, so he was probably shorter than I was, right? And he's facing this nine-foot-tall giant. Now, hopefully that helps you imagine a little bit, but maybe you're still kind of caught on the fact that there was a giant. And you think, oh, we don't have giants these days, right? Like, how do I imagine that? That's the things of myth and, and fables. Well, if, if that's where you're at today, then allow me to introduce you to Robert Wadlow. He is the Guinness Book of World Record holder for being one of the tallest men in recent history. Let's go ahead and show his picture. Robert was 8 feet and 11 inches tall. He died in 1940, so this is fairly recent history. When he died, his shoe size was a 37. Can you imagine? I mean, I think I have big feet, but they're nowhere near that. He ate an average of 8,000 calories a day. Yes, this is Robert. Now, picture that, except in our story, Goliath would just be a couple of inches taller, and we're told that Goliath was covered head to foot in armor. Not only that, but he was heavily armed with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. That gets you an image of what we're facing here in the story today. Okay, so when our story begins, Goliath is standing on the front lines, and he's got all of the Philistine army behind him, and he's got the Israelites in front of him, and he is challenging them. He's saying, hey, why are we going to fight one another and have a bunch of people end up being killed? Let's just have you choose one person, and we'll choose one person, and have them fight. And whoever wins will win the war. Well, all of Israel sees him, the nine-foot-tall giant, and says, we can't fight him. There's no one that can win, and so nobody volunteers. He goes out every day, and he mocks them. He mocks their cowardice, and he mocks their God. This has happened 
for 40 days in a row. And for 40 days, nobody has volunteered to be the person to fight Goliath. That's where our story begins. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 8, he, meaning Goliath, stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. What are you learning so far about Goliath? I'm learning that he is utterly sure of himself. I mean, he has the strength and ability to win any battle. And we're told a little bit earlier that he's totally covered with armor except for his face. That would be so menacing. The narrator of this story wants us to to really see the impact that Goliath is having on Israel and on King Saul. Notice that they were filled with dismay and that they were greatly afraid. And of course they were. Of course they were. Who among us would not be filled with dismay, would not be greatly afraid if we were in their shoes? I mean, common sense says that Goliath is going to win any one-on-one fight. You can use any measurable you want. Height, strength, athleticism, Goliath is going to win them all. So let's bring this back to us for a second. Think of your giant, again, that you have in the back of your heads. This may ring true for your obstacle, too. There may be times where you're looking at the giant in your life, and you're saying, Common sense says there's no way that I can overcome this. There's no way that I can get around this obstacle, this giant in my life. You might be saying something like, I just, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. Or I'm not sure what I'm going to do to fix this relationship. I just don't know how to make it better. Yes, when we have the giant mocking us, standing right in front of us, we can be filled with anxiety, fear, and dismay. Oftentimes, we'll just draw into ourselves and say, I can't do this. I can't engage in this battle. I'm not capable. Yes, our giants are just as big as Goliath was. But then, in our story, along comes David. Now, David, as we mentioned earlier, was between 12 and 15 years old. So he's just a teenager, and David's father tells him to go visit his brothers on the front lines and to go bring food. So he's got three brothers who are on the front lines, and David goes to them and brings them food. And while he's there, Goliath comes out, and he begins mocking everybody, mocking Israel, and mocking their God like he'd done every day for 40 days. But this is the first time that David had heard this. And David begins looking around, saying, why are we allowing him to say this? 
I mean, we've got God on our side. We worship the God who leads us. So why are we allowing someone else to insult us and and push us to the brink of fear? Well, David begins saying these things. I kind of imagine him as a precocious teenager just going, why why isn't anyone going to really stand up to him? But no one had for 40 days. And so word of what David was saying spread among the army. And word of what he was saying spread all the way up to the king himself. And King Saul summons David, this teenager, and wants to have a meeting with him. Our scripture goes on. It says, When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him, meaning Goliath. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. So the king of Israel tells David very plainly that this is not your fight. This is not your battle. This is not something you're capable of doing. And I mean, of course, think of the contrast. Uh, David is a boy, and Goliath is a man. Uh, David is a shepherd with no military experience. And Goliath is a warrior who has been training for this moment since he was David's age. Uh, David is short. Goliath is, well, a giant. David has no armor. He did not come prepared for this battle. And Goliath is covered head to toe. The difference between David and Goliath as described in Scripture is stark. And the odds are firmly against David's success. At this point in the story, David could have said to Saul, you're right. You're right. I was just talking, and I I should not have said that, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to go home. I mean, really, 99% of us would probably have done just that if we were in David's shoes. But instead, David responds in what I find to be a very profound way. I sometimes wonder, why was this story kept for generations, over and over as a cherished part of our scripture? And I think it's because of what David says here, because of what David teaches us about God. So as we read this next section, I want you to think about the way that David presents the image of God. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord, who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will save me from the hand of this Philistine. Okay, so the main thing I want you to grasp here is David's view of God. And David uses a new term for God. It's a term that we really don't find in Scripture 
before David uses it. Did you catch what David called God? The living God. Now, why would David say that? Why would David refer to God as the living God? Well, I think it's because David knew that he needed God to show up. That he needed God to be alive in his life if he's going to take this bold step and battle a giant. I mean, he needed to know that believing in God was not just a theory, but it's something that he could actually depend on in his life. So consider for a moment the differences between the bold faith of David and the really timid faith of Saul and the rest of the army. You have Saul and and the army, and they really thought that God was irrelevant to the situation. They thought their own success or failure in this battle would depend solely on their own muscle and might. But contrast that to David. David knew that the living God is always relevant. Because without God doing the hard things in life, like defeating a giant, is not possible. So let me ask you a question. Is there a living God in the world? A God full of power and love that is at work in me and in you? And if you answer yes, then we must act as if this is so. I mean, Saul believed in God. He did. But he judged this situation by what he could see with his eyes. And what he could see with his eyes terrified him. It immobilized him. It caused him not to act for 40 days. But David sees the same situation, but he views it through the eyes of faith. David is confident that the living God is present. And because of that confidence, David views the whole situation differently from the rest of the army. So bring this back to your situation again. And whatever giant you're facing in your life, when you face those, this story encourages us to view the situation through the eyes of faith. This story really wants us to know that God is present within our problems and within our obstacles. When we forget that, that's when the challenges of life can seem overwhelming. That's when we'll be immobilized by fear. That's when we may retreat into ourselves and take no positive action. But we must not forget that we worship a living God. David really is telling us we do not worship an absent God or a passive God or a dead God, but the living God. So Saul said to David, go. And may the Lord be with you. I find it interesting that Saul now remembers God. He says, oh yes, okay, God is a part of our story. But may he go with you as you're about to do this very challenging thing. Now, I want to read this last portion of the account in full. It's the battle between David and Goliath. This story is familiar probably to all of us, but I bet it will be different for you in hearing it today, because it's a little bit different from the story we grew up with in Sunday school, or maybe that we remember from our children's Bibles. And it's a little bit longer, but I want to read it in full, because I want you 
to really immerse yourself in the story? Won't you put yourself in David's shoes and see the whole story unfolding through his eyes? We're told in verse 40, Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, and he put them in his shepherd's bag, in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So this is it. This is the moment that the story has been building to from the very beginning. You've got strength versus weakness, experience versus inexperience, the weapons of war versus the tools of a shepherd, or perhaps the biggest distinction, confidence in oneself or confidence in the living God. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Okay, if you uh, were much of a sport person, you know that before the big game, there's always a bit of trash talking. I think that's what's happening here. I mean, Goliath sees the champion approaching, and it's a teenager. He still has his shepherd's staff. And he's like, what am I, a dog? You're going to throw sticks at me? But then, then the scene turns much more dangerous. The Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone striking down the Philistine and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine. He grasped his sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him. Then he cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Okay, we need to start by acknowledging this is a brutal story of war. It really is. And we in no way want to glorify the violence within this story. But I think that it has been kept and treasured in our scriptures for thousands of years because of what it teaches us about faith. And so, very briefly, 
Here are my kind of two concluding thoughts about faith that I learned from this story. The first is that the Lord does not save by sword or spear. Uh, The story begs us to ask the question, what do we put our confidence in? Do we put it in ourselves, our tools, our abilities, our weapons? I mean, when we battle our giants, and we're all engaged in some battle, aren't we? It is imperative to remember that the battle is the Lord's, that the battle belongs to God, that we do not fight alone, and we do not fight only with our own tools. So think back one last time to your own giant, to the battles that you're involved in right now, and and I recognize that life is not always easy. Some of us are going through some really hard stuff, and it's unrealistic to expect our giants to fall with as easily as a throw of a stone. I mean, some giants take years to fall. Some battles that you've been engaged in, I bet you're exhausted for how long that they have been going on in your life. Some battles are more marathons than sprints, but as we fight them, we must remember that we do not fight only with the tools of man, but the tools of God. That's the first concluding point about faith. And the second is that, did you notice, David runs towards the battle. He doesn't run away from it, or he doesn't just stand still, maybe in fear and trepidation. He runs towards the battle line. That shows his confidence in God and how sky high it is. He doesn't avoid the situation like we often do with the battles that we face, where we retreat or we make up an excuse, or we try to get away. No, David acts with decisiveness. I wonder if we can approach the same, the giants in our lives with the same confidence that David shows us here. And I think we can if we remember that we don't approach these situations alone. We are approaching them with the living God by our side. So my hope as you leave here today, is that you really may feel the boldness that David felt thousands of years ago as he was sprinting towards the battle, knowing that you too can approach the toughest situations of life because we worship a living God. Yes, no matter how daunting the odds may seem or how big your giant is, remember that the living God goes with you. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.